this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. I'm continuing to read the insights I found while seeking to understand what the scriptures say the true church of God should look like. All this information comes from my free ebook titled The True Church of God, and it can be downloaded freely at the freegiftfromgod.com website. So let me continue reading, and I hope you find something of value in the insights that the Lord has given to me. The next part of this book is about financing the church. Before looking at that, it seemed appropriate to include a session on one of the most damaging and false doctrines that has taken hold of sections of the modern Christian church. And I'll be looking at this over the next four sessions. It's that significant and that large problem. And that is the doctrine called prosperity gospel. It goes under different names and guises, but is essentially the same doctrine regardless of what it is called. Other names include health and wealth gospel, gospel of success and seed faith. For the purposes of this session, though, I'll refer to it generically as the prosperity gospel. The principle under which this doctrine is taught is that financial blessing and physical well-being are always the will of God for believers, and that faith, positive speech, and donations to religious causes will increase a believer's material wealth. Prosperity theology views the Bible as a contract between God and man. That is, if humans have faith in God, he will deliver security and prosperity. The prosperity gospel doctrine emphasizes the importance of personal empowerment and suggests that it is God's will for his people to be blessed. However, it typically looks at the blessings of God from a physical and material perspective rather than a spiritual perspective. Atonement, that is reconciliation with God, under prosperity gospel is interpreted to include the alleviation of sickness and poverty, which are viewed as curses to be broken by faith. This is believed to be achieved through donations of money, visualisation and positive confession. The proponents of prosperity gospel claim that it is the will of God for all believers to be wealthy and healthy. They should not get ill, and if they do get ill or suffer financial difficulties, then it's a lack of faith on the part of the believer. However, to receive this perfect health and wealth requires sacrifice, specifically financial sacrifice. Believers are told that they must sow a financial seed of faith in order to receive the appropriate blessings. They are exhorted to give to the church, sometimes in extraordinary amounts, on the promise that they will be blessed and rewarded with financial gain and or a better and healthier life. Some preachers of the prosperity gospel also claim that the measure of a believer's material wealth is an indicator of their faith and the blessings of the Lord. Prosperity gospel is a false doctrine. It puts the church members under stress, bondage and self-condemnation. It is a destructive teaching and should be rejected by the church. It is designed to bring great financial wealth into the hands of a few individuals, the church leaders, but does nothing to help the congregation of the church. One of the first things these prosperity gospel preachers do is to institute a program of tithing and giving into the church. The basis of their teaching is that the more you give, the more you will receive. In the next series of sessions, after I finish this this session on prosperity gospel, I will look briefly at the way tithing is carried out in the modern church. And it is clear that it bears no resemblance to the laws of tithing under the Old Covenant. In fact, you'll find that the modern version of tithing is based on lies and greed. And this is one of the hallmarks of the proponents of the prosperity gospel. 
In their meetings, especially in some of the larger prosperity gospel churches, there can be several requests throughout the service to give more money. They take up the tithes, then the offerings, then maybe an offering for a specific program, and then what is sometimes called a sacrificial offering. The sacrificial offering is the one that you can't really afford to give, but they claim the Lord will greatly bless you for the sacrifice you make. They say that what you give will be returned in great abundance. I've even heard preachers say that God will only bless those who give, and the bigger the amount, the greater the blessing. But let's look at what the scripture has to say and measure this prosperity gospel against the truth of the Bible. Firstly, is money of God? The first thing we should consider and remember is that money is not of God. I cover this in some detail when I look at tithing, but I'll briefly mention the issues here. In the following scripture, we see Jesus having a discussion about money and taxes with the Pharisees, and his words are particularly illuminating. Should we pay them, Roman taxes, or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a coin, and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were amazed at him. And that's in Mark chapter 12, verses 15 to 17. What Jesus shows us in these few words is that money is not a creation of God, but is an invention of this world. Money is created by the governments of man. It was not created by God. If we know this, then it becomes questionable as to why God would put something that was not of his creation above so many other of the truths of the gospel and the covenants, as the prosperity gospel teaches. This false gospel uses money as an indicator of faith and the blessings of the Lord, but money is not even a thing of God. So if money is not of God, but is an invention of man, who controls it? We read these words. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it shall be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 to 8. All of the wealth, power, and glory of the kingdoms of this world are under the control of the devil. And as this scripture shows us, the devil gives these things to whomever he chooses. So again, why would money and wealth be an indicator of God's blessing when God has allowed it to be controlled by the devil? The truth is that God doesn't care about money. He knows it is a trap for man because it can lead to greed and even idolatry. These prosperity gospel preachers have fallen into the trap of seeking wealth and would have their congregations do the same. So who are you serving? So if money is not of God, are we really serving God by seeking wealth and prosperity? Can we truly serve both God and the desire for wealth and riches? No, we cannot, as the following scripture tells us quite plainly. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And for those who aren't aware, mammon is a Semitic or Jewish word for riches or wealth. If we are seeking wealth as these prosperity gospel preachers teach, 
then we are seeking to serve the God of money and riches rather than the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. And money is a poor God. It is a form of idolatry and it promotes greed because people are not satisfied with wealth no matter how much they have. Listen to these words. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with gain. This also is vanity. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10. Greed is not of God. It leads people to all kinds of unrighteousness as they follow their fleshly passions rather than seeking to walk in the ways of the Lord by walking in the Spirit. One of the traps that seeking wealth and prosperity can lead to is that it can take us away from the Lord. As the verse that I read above from Matthew 6.24 says, no one can serve two masters. What this means is that if you serve one of the two masters, the other will fall away. And if you serve the God of money, then you won't be serving the true God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider also these words from the parable of the sower, which gives us an example of this issue. In this example, Jesus was showing that the words of gospel, which is the seed, were sown into the hearts and minds of many people. However, for some it did not hold fast, and they lost the truth because they made too many other things a priority. And we note in the scripture that one of those things was the desire for riches, as it says. As for what was sown among thorns, this is he who hears the word, but the cares of the world and delight in riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Matthew 13, verse 22. Following Christ is too important to allow anything to get in the way, especially riches and wealth. Money is not an indicator of faith or the things of God, as the following group of scriptures will tell us. Given that these prosperity gospel preachers claim that an increase in wealth and riches is proof of the blessings of the Lord, we should examine whether this is true. What does the scripture say about this claim of theirs? Romans 10 verse 11, 13 says this. The scripture says, No one who believes in him will be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and bestows his riches upon all who call upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 11 to 13. Here we are told that Jesus, who is the Lord of all, will bestow his riches upon all who call upon him. Could this suggest that there is an offer of prosperity and wealth in these words? No, it does not, because we see here that these riches are his riches, not the riches of the world. As we saw just a short moment ago, money is not a thing of God. Money is the creation of man and a thing of the world. So money is not part of the riches of God or the Lord Jesus Christ. His riches include things like salvation, as we saw in verse 13 of that section. Kindness and patience or forbearance, Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Glory and mercy, Romans 9.23. Forgiveness of sins, redemption, wisdom, insight, and grace, Ephesians 1, verses 7 to 9. The inheritance of the saints, Ephesians 1, verse 18. Grace and kindness, Ephesians 2, verse 7. Strength and might in the Holy Spirit and the abundant love of Christ, Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. To have all the riches of assured understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And there are many other scriptures along these lines. In all of these riches that are from and through Jesus Christ, nowhere is money, wealth, or prosperity indicated as being one of his riches. 
Money and wealth are not a priority with God, as we see in the next scripture. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O men of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 33. We're told by the Lord not to be anxious or to worry about the things of the world. We do not need to worry about food, drink, clothing, or any of the other things of this world. These things are temporary and they all fade away. Instead, we are shown in verse 33 what our focus should be. Seek first his kingdom. When we seek the kingdom of God, he provides for our needs. The blessings we receive from God are given in response to our faith and obedience to the truth of the gospel, and by following Jesus Christ correctly. Our focus should be on trying to learn and understand what we need to know to please God, and so gain entry into the kingdom of God. Everything else is immaterial and secondary compared to this primary focus, especially money. The Lord has said in these words that he will not see his people destitute. He will provide what we need at the time it is needed, whether that is food, clothing, shelter, or anything else. And if we need money to pay for any of these things, or whatever else we may need, he will provide it. Scripture says, My brethren, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man with gold rings and in fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, Have a seat here, please. While you say to the poor man, stand there or sit at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the honourable name which was invoked over you? James chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. This is an issue that occurs in the prosperity gospel churches. They are partial towards those who have money and wealth, and they put those people up as examples of the prosperity gospel working. But what do we see here? There should be no partiality in the church between anyone on the basis of wealth or anything else. We are all equal and are brethren in Christ Jesus. What else do we see in these words? Verse 5 shows that the poor in financial terms are chosen by God to be rich in the faith and are heirs of the inheritance to come. James does not say the same thing about the rich. In fact, he is critical of the rich because of the way they behave and take advantage of the poor, dragging them into court and worse. We'll see in the next set of scriptures that I'm going to look at next week that money and wealth do not commend us to God. 
The rich have no advantage over the poor in the sight of God and in many cases are in a worse position because their focus is on their wealth rather than Christ. So that's all I have for this week. I hope you found it interesting and I hope you'll join me again next week as I continue looking at these aspects of the true church of God. All of the information I'm covering here is contained in a free ebook titled The True Church of God that can be downloaded from the freegiftfromgod.com website. So until next week, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off and hoping you have a blessed week ahead. God bless. Oh, 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 o